that two-year narrative is Le Mans challenging and ultimately surpassing the greatest cyclist, uh, Bernard Hinault. Um, in, in 85, they're riding on the same team, and, and it was a team sport, so he rode in support of Hinault and shepherded Hinault to victory. And in 86, the deal was that Le Mans was going to be basically permitted to lead the team and thus win the race. But Hinault tried to sort of double-cross him, betray him, and it became this horrible battle between basically the two best cyclists, Bernard Hinault of France and Greg LeMond of the United States. But it's a bloody, bloody battle, and it left him really scarred and wounded. Welcome back. I'm Jonathan Kaplan, the host of the Riding With podcast. Today is stage 13 of the Tour de France, and today on the podcast, we're going to take a step back in time to another Tour de France, this one in 1989, won by American Greg LeMond. I'm going to speak with Daniel DeVizier, who has written a book, The Comeback, Greg LeMond, the true king of American cycling in a legendary Tour de France. LeMond remains the only American to officially have won the Tour de France. As everyone knows, Lance Armstrong's victories were stripped, as well as Floyd Landis's one victory. LeMond won in 1986, 89, and 90. It's well known his story about winning on a French team against the legendary French writer Bernard Hinault and a lot of intra-team squabbling and just a psychological drama of just epic, epic proportions. There's a fantastic 30 for 30 documentary on ESPN called Slaying the Badger, which is totally worth watching. It's one of the best um, best sports documentaries ever produced, much less best cycling documentary ever produced. I'm sure there'll be a lot of disagreement there. But Daniel DeVizet has written a fantastic book that chronicles the life of Greg LeMond and the comeback after, after winning the 86 Tour de France getting in a horrific um, you know, hunting accident with his brother-in-law, nearly dying, and working his way back into the Peloton. It's a great book. It came out a few years ago. I saw Daniel speak at pol- the Politics and Prose Bookstore here in Washington, D.C. a few years ago. I have the book, well worth reading, and I hope you enjoy it. So uh, if you want to find me on social media and Instagram and Twitter, you can go to Riding with JEK. I'm also on thread at Riding with JEK. And please subscribe to the newsletter at ridingwithkaplan.substack.com. I can't do this without your support. For the subscriber, paying subscribers, thanks so much. And with that, let's get to it. So Daniel, thanks for joining me. And do you want to say more about your work and, and what you've done over the past over the past many years? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, the book uh, is really kind of a Greg LeMond biography, uh, which is to say, uh, you know, of a, a the story of his entire cycling career and kind of from birth to, well, he's thankfully still with us. Um, and it's also kind of a narrative nonfiction book, a blow by blow about the great 1989 Tour de France, which for people who have followed the race over the years, a lot of people, especially a lot of Americans, would say it's the greatest tour ever. That was the one, uh, not to give too many spoilers, but Le Mans won it by like, like eight seconds, which is insane for a you know a multi-day stage race, uh, overcoming uh, 
the great French champion, uh, Fignon. And uh, it's just an amazing race. So that's kind of the centerpiece of the book. But it is also kind of a kind of a bio of Greg LeMond. And if you need to know who Greg LeMond is, uh, probably the greatest American male cyclist ever, Um, much less well known than Lance Armstrong, uh, for all sorts of reasons. But uh, he is now the only American man who's regarded (laughs) to have won the Tour de France, and he won it three times. Right. And so can you just quickly trace Greg LeMond's journey to, let's say, 1985? Yeah. Um, He got into this weird sport of bike racing in the 70s. It was dominated by immigrants uh, from mostly from like Europe. And it was a a small, insular, kind of almost deadheady sort of culture. And he just was clearly head and shoulders better than the other, the competitors, the other competitors. Uh, I think when he was 15, he came in second in a big, like multi-day stage race and beat or finished second to John Howard, who was the best road cyclist in our country at the time. You know, that's how good Lamond was at age 15. And he kept, and then he started winning stuff and he kept winning stuff and he would race, they would race him against older boys and, and men. And he caught the eye of, of, you know, the professional cycling community in Europe and I think he was hired into the pros probably, I think, in 1980 uh, and went over there and started racing professionally in 81. And there was no, almost no Americans like Jock Boyer, a few of you might know that name, was almost the only American pro, pro cyclist of any real sure. Um And so Lamont went over there and started kicking things in Europe. And by like, I, I'm going to forget all this, but I think by 83, I think that might have been the year that he won the... Uh, you know, the, the, the UCI uh, road world championship was a huge race. I mean, that, that's one of the most important worlds you can get as a professional cyclist. And then in 84, he enters the tour, the tour de France and finishes third, which is insane for the first time writing it. Um, and that, that brings us up to 85, which was what you told me to do. So that's where we, so wow. He was, I didn't realize he was third in the, in the tour de France in 1984. In 1985, there's a, I mean, there's all kinds of um, stories and books in ESPN 30 by 30, you know, 30 for 30 about that race. Can you, you you know, quickly sort of bring us up to speed on what happens in in that? Because that's a defining moment for Greg and and the Tour de France, really. There's a a great book uh, called Slaying the Badger uh, by the late, great Richard Moore, a Scotsman. I spoke to him a bunch of times. It's a wonderful book, and it's about the 85 and 86 tours. And that two-year narrative is LeMond challenging and ultimately surpassing the greatest cyclist, uh, Bernard Hinault. Um, in, in 85, they're riding on the same team, and, and it was a team sport, so he rode in support of Hinault and shepherded Hinault to victory. And in 86, the deal was that LeMond was going to be basically permitted to lead the team and thus win the race. But, you know, tried to sort of double cross him, betray him. And it became this horrible battle between the two, basically the two best cyclists, Bernardino of France and Greg LeMond of the United States. So Greg, uh, Greg wins in the end, uh, but it's a bloody, bloody battle. And it left him really scarred and wounded. And it's, so check out that book, Slaying the Badger, if you, if you have time, or at least watch, watch the documentary, documentary. <laughs> or the ESPN <laughs> at, at a minimum. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that, I mean, so he, he's writing for La Vie Claire at the, at the time, right? That's right. And yeah. 
I think the 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 in, I think you know to bring it up to, to today the problem with the American cycling today are not a problem but there's no American star in, in part because the best Americans are riding in support of the best Europeans and as yeah. good as Greg LeMond was like Lavi Claire was not you know they were not fully committed they were not all in on building that team around Greg LeMond like he no. had to fight tooth and nail for that for that victory. He was fighting against his the director of the team. He was fighting against his, his a friend and you know the 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 best rider on the team, right? Yeah, it was an era when these upstarts were getting into cycling. It had been dominated by uh, French, Belgian, Dutch riders and some Brits. But in the eighties, America starts well. Le Mans almost single handedly starts threatening. And there's like, you've got like Phil Anderson from Australia and these uh, other riders from kind of the new world, you know, threatening. And, and, and uh, so Le Mans was the greatest of them, but no American had ever even come close to winning the Tour de France before, uh, before Le Mans. So it was a real paradigm shift. And then after the race, describe what happens to Le Mans. Yeah. Well, what should have happened was that because he was very, very young. So that race, that tour in 86 should have been the first of maybe four or five maybe consecutive victories, that is what usually happens with a great, great tour champion is they win three, four times often in a row with a great team behind them because that was the best team of Levy Calaire. But in 87, as Greg is preparing to defend his title, he falls victim to a freak hunting accident, which wouldn't happen if he was a French guy because I don't think they go out hunting right, in France. Right. But he went out hunting and got shot, and so he almost died. And that becomes the great you know, the great comeback story in my book, which is he might have easily have bled out, out in California, but he survived. And, and then the question was, would he walk again? Well, he did. And then the question, would he even ever get back onto a bicycle again? And he did. And then, gosh, would he ever compete again? And he did. And so he got back into cycling and over two horrible years, 87 and 88, just clawed his way back into the peloton. That's peloton, meaning the, the pack, not the now, now the thing that sits in your basement unused in your basement and by 89 by 89 just two years later he was he was still extremely shaky and had like lead pellets in him but you know was at least you know a sort of a long shot contender to maybe be a great rider again and so that sets the stage for the 89 and what team is he riding for Oh, God, what was the team? I'm not even going to remember. Ah, it was a bad team. It was not a good, it was a mediocre team. And I'm, I'm, it's been five years since I wrote the book. But he uh, he was on a crap team. And there was all these other people who were basically thought to be, uh, you know, the, the, the most likely people to win. But right before the tour in 89, he, he suddenly started to show, you know, some sparks of life. And so entering into the tour, it became this, battle between um, Le Monde and Laurent Fignon, who was the, the preeminent French writer of, of that era. And so um, it's this epic, epic, epic back and forth battle between Le Monde and Fignon, and they trade the lead back and forth, back and forth. It's insane. Uh, and Basically, that's what the centerpiece of my book is, is there was never such a close tour to France. Right. And it came down to the to the last day, which which was unu- well, now was unusual, although it looks like in the 2024 Tour de France, they're going to reprise it 
with a time trial on the final day of the race. Because typically, these days for the past, you know, two decades at least, the race has finished in Paris. They, they you know, stroll into, um, onto the Champs-Élysées. They race, they race six or seven times around the Champs-Élysées. And, you know, the, the winner is, the, the winner is decided the day before. Right. Basically, it is the, in the usual year, the race is decided in the mountains, the Alps and the Pyrenees, one or the other, uh, well before the end of the race. But in 89, because it was a weird year, and it worked out beautifully because they decided to have a time trial on the last day. And those of you familiar with the race, a time trial, you can, you can add many seconds or a minute even to your advantage or disadvantage. Right, or whatever. right. And so it came down to where there was a tiny remote chance that LeMond, who was in second... And his team, I think it was called PDM, I'd almost forgotten this, it was a bad team, that he had just like a one in a thousand chance of, of, of catching up to Fignon on the last day of racing. And you can go on YouTube, YouTube and watch the entire stage, it was like, you know, or at least Le Mans ride in it. Um, it becomes this second by second, kilometer by kilometer battle into, into Paris, uh, and, uh, and it, from Versailles, and, and it's just this insane day of racing, the like of which I don't think the French have ever seen, you know, before or since. Right, right, and and I mean, to his credit, Le Monde is using uh, aero bars, which he borrows from the sport of triathlon. Right, that's when they're sort of first introduced to the Tour de France. Uh, y- yeah, it was. Gosh, some American cyclists, I think on 7-Eleven, had, had brought out those bars, and they'd been approved, but only Americans were using them. And uh, it, it became, after Le Mans won, it became kind of this uh, this issue, this kind of controversy, because suddenly it was important. Oh, I'm sorry, wait, his, his team in 89 was ADR, not PDM. I, okay. I'm such a, it's been so long since <laughs> I wrote this book. I think it stood for all day all day something or other ADR. It was, it was a mediocre team. Is, is the Who was this point. French? What, what, I mean, Oh God, yeah, it was French. I, I, it's, I yeah, but it was, it was not a good uh-huh. team. And, um, y- you need a, it. Did he have any support or then did he have, was there a big, another name to the team that? No, no, no. It was, it was just not a very, it good was like team. the bad news he bears was the leader of it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, there's no, there, it's not easy to draw a comparison because like Lance, during Lance's years of racing, he always had a really, really great team. And if you're like, if you're like a top five contender and you have a really great team, you have a much better chance of, of winning. LeMond was, I think, by far the best racer in 86 and also in 89, but, but in 89, he, he was vexed by this, yeah, ADR, this, this kind of inferior team. So he, he wins the tour and he's kind of he certainly redeems himself in, in the eyes of the sport and, and he goes on to win in 1990. Right. And uh, in my book, my, my bow of him, the, the 1990 victory becomes kind of, and that was, I think the team then was called Z Z. Uh, and it was a, a better team. Um, so he finally was able to win the tour in, with a good team behind him, but it was a little bit anticlimactic. It wasn't nearly as exciting as the 89 tour. And so that became Le Mans third victory. And bear in mind that if he hadn't been injured in 87, um, he, he easily might have won. His fans love to debate this. He might easily have won in both 86 and 87 and 88. And it might have been that 1990 was his, what, like his fifth victory. Fifth, you know? yeah. He could have yeah. won five times, at least. Yeah, easily. Well, yeah, well, I, I won't say at least because nobody has ever won more than five times. Um, 
and and again that includes Armstrong because his his victories have been uh, revoked. Right, right, right. And where is Greg Lamont today? Oh, uh, oh, and wait, sorry, just because I'm such an idiot, let me just clarify. <laughs> he was on PDM, which was a Dutch team in '87, '88. They dumped him. It was a good, and that was a good team. Then he then he went to ADR all day renting is what they all day for. renting okay all day renting ADR and it was Belgian wow. ADR was a Belgian okay. team and it was not a good team okay just to set the record straight now uh, in those years since I, first I want to say that all through like the the kind of doping era Lamond was kind of a, a strident anti doping voice and he he wound up being kind of on one side of this big debate where Lance Armstrong was kind of on the other side and they became kind of enemies. And so there was a huge, you know, this huge kind of titanic battle in cycling between people who kind of sided with Lamond and people who sided with Lance. Uh, and all at the time, all the people, you know, who were Lance's advocates thought that he would be vindicated and that, you know, that his tour victories would stand. But he suffered. So that was another huge, huge kind of battle that Lamond went through. And he finally emerged victorious, I guess you would say, when when Lance went on to Oprah and sort of confessed that he had been that he had been doping. So so now, 2023, Lamond sells uh, very high end bikes through his his family business. And uh, I'm honored to say he also sells my book uh, on his website. Okay, Uh, it's kind of I guess he regards it as kind of the book that, that he thinks is the, well, there isn't, there aren't too many books about him, but I think he thinks that one is the one that kind of captured the glory. Uh, partly because when my book came out, um, it, it inspired Congress to award Lamond its gold medal, which is the highest civilian honor that Congress can. Oh, bestow. that's right. I totally so, forgot about that. Yeah. 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 And, and one other doodad on the, I don't know when this is going up, but um, on the 23rd, which is as I speak to you two days from now, um, a big Lamont documentary. Right. You can Google that and it's on, there's a great preview of it on, on YouTube. Yeah. And so, are you uh, involved in that? Oh, no, okay. no, no. Um, no, although I will say that the, the Alex Holmes, who made the documentary, I know he was a big fan of my book. I met with him in Georgetown a few years ago and he, we talked for a couple hours about the book and he wound up doing this documentary. So I think I, I, think I inspired not just the Congressional Medal, but also a documentary. Great. And just, just uh, to go back, I mean, the, at the start of your book, you talk about growing up outside of Chicago or in Chicago. I, I'm from yeah. Chicago. From okay, so I'm from Joliet. So, oh, yeah. cool. Um, and, w- you know, your your dad rode bikes and, and, and you were interested as well. Where'd you get the idea? Like, I'm going to, I'm just going to go way deep on Greg LeMond and I'm going to write the definitive bi- biography about LeMond and sort of American cycling in that era? Do you know, um, I, 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 I had this, all this stuff in my head because I was a young adult in 89 and I followed his comeback and his victory with great jubilation. And I kind of figured that by the mid 2010s that Lamond wasn't nearly so well known as he should be. And I didn't think that there was anybody else, you know, kind of in journalism I didn't know of anybody who knew nearly enough about bicycle racing from back in the day to write that story. And I thought I could do it. It's pretty amazing. So, you know, I think the, the Armstrong Lamont rivalry might be another uh, podcast for another time. And, you know, thanks for joining me. It's, it's been great. And I think highly recommend to go out and, you know, if you're, if you're a fan and want to learn more about the sport during this period of time, you know, in the, in the 
in the 1980s, The Comeback, Greg LeMond, The True King of American Cycling, and A Legendary Tour de France by Daniel DeVizé. Thanks again. Oh, thank you, man. The Riding With podcast is produced and edited by the team at Palm Tree Podco. Anthony Palmer is the executive producer.